Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation. You're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Pickaxe Podcast once again. Uh, we are the Denver Stiffs. I am Zach Mikosh, and I am. This is, I think, the second time now. If I, uh, if I'm correct, we are on another all CSU Ram staff today. So, without further ado, let me first introduce Mrs. K or Ms. Kayla Osby. <laughs> Kayla, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. I uh I didn't mean to give you the misses. We were just talking about no, your friend's okay. wedding prior yeah. to the podcast, and I just <laughs> got it uh, made the mistake there. Um, <laughs> we also have joining us all the way from sunny Los Angeles. At least I'm assuming it's sunny. Uh, Mr. Mike Olson. Mike, how's it going? Uh, well, you've you've placed a safe bet. It is uh, shockingly yet again sunny in Los Angeles, California. But I'm I'm doing great. I didn't realize that we were all Rams. Uh, you know, let's just talk about that instead of the Nuggets today. I guess. There you go. Well, you know what? We <laughs> might we might actually talk a little bit about both. Um, but yeah, so there is. I think we are, there. There's four uh, four CSU Rams on the staff. Us three, and then also Ashley uh, Douglas is is another alumni of our proud S- university. Sweet. So and I, I got to tell you guys, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, we'll just we'll just get off track right off the bat because that's. That's how we do it on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> I, so I'm actually getting to go uh, on Friday where we're just about – I work for a company who um, is doing some work on the CSU Stadium. So on Friday, I'm going to get to go walk it and basically see the finished product. Um, oh, so, wow. Yeah. I, uh, I I knew that they were building. I hadn't realized just how far along they were. So first off, um, please please take pictures. But uh, second off, I was uh, back in Fort Collins. Uh, oh, a little over a week ago, my mom had both of her knees replaced, and um, I was in town for all of 36 hours, and that night, um, a buddy and I went over to Panhandler's Pizza over on Elizabeth, because yes. uh, it's, uh, it's just one of those places for me. I actually worked there way back when I was a teen, and 
driving up Prospect uh, to get that way, I had not realized that the stadium was as far along as it was. Right. And suddenly this thing just sort of rises up out of out of nowhere, and I'm shocked I didn't actually drive off the road. That thing is huge, and it's a couple blocks away from basically Shields and, and Prospect both. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, it um and man they they built they've built it really quick. It it did just kind of pop up out of nowhere. That's interesting. Kayla, I gotta ask you, did you ever go to Panhandler's Pizza? No, I didn't. No, what? that wasn't one of the yeah. <laughs> I I kinda just went to like the same places. I was pretty boring, so oh, I didn't really go there. There's still time, Kayla. Panhandler's yeah, Pizza and, and, and the and the pickle barrel. You gotta those are the there you go. There you you go. gotta go. Yeah, Mike. I was gonna say I also, uh, I also we are so we are both of uh, alumni of the Panhandler staff as well. I, uh, <laughs> I worked there for almost boy almost two years when I was. I did not know oh, that. Wow. Yeah, was, I, I, those were the good times. Good times. Yes. All I, right. Uh, Yep, I, I loved it too. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll uh we'll actually get to our podcast now instead yeah. of our, our <laughs> reminiscing about the good old days of Fort Collins. Um, so there is, but it's it's okay. We've got we've got time to burn because there's really not a lot going on with the Nuggets, especially this week. It was it was pretty quiet. They did do one thing though, um, which is they brought in they started doing their pre draft workouts, which um it's real early, kind of still in that process. The draft isn't for about almost three and a half more weeks. But um, so when the Nuggets bring in these these draft prospects early on, they're they're really not guys they're they're um, looking at probably to draft in any way. They're probably looking at how they want to fill out their summer league roster more than anything. Um, Kayla, I'll ask you first though: Was there anybody that they brought in this week that caught your eye at all? Um, just by looking at the list, there there wasn't really. Um, but you know, I started reading about them, and um, I noticed that a lot of them had like you know connections. Uh, you right. know, they played at like CSU or. Um, you know, they, uh, I think Isaac Humphreys, um, played in Kentucky with Jamal Murray and he was talking about that, but yeah, no, and I mean, none of them, uh, really caught my eye as far as like, um, anybody that I would, you know, hope to have on the team or anything like that. Right. Right. And you bring up the good point. They are bringing in a lot of, a lot of local guys. That's something we've seen them mm-hmm. do. Uh, they did that last year too. They, I think what they brought in Josh Adams who played for, um, CU and then, ah, oh, that, what was the kid's name from Wyoming? Um, um, it's drawing a blank, and he ended up actually getting in a car accident. I should know. I should know this. But they brought... Who are you talking about? Um, uh, right? Can't, yeah, I can't make is it come. Is it Josh something? Yeah, that's what it was. Maybe what is, is, was it Josh Adams? But, well, yeah, I don't know. either way, or I think it was a different... Either way, we're... Yeah, but they, they bring in a bunch of... Um, they do bring in a bunch of local guys, um, and, and then typically have a couple of them on the summer league team. Mike, what about you? Anybody you noticed? You know, um, I I I was with Kayla. Um, I I thought the Isaac Humphreys interview was was a standout just just from talking about uh, his his time there at Kentucky. That would be some cool share time. Um, uh, Nelson Kaler was kind of funny. From uh, he's he, I think he was CSU Pueblo, and and that yes. was that was part of the the, the cool part is um, I I you know nobody was a particular standout, but I will say. Uh, First off, to to you know, our NBA friends with the Nuggets, but especially those folks with altitude, um, I, I love the fact that they're putting this stuff out. And so you've got you know, uh, twenty videos of kids from CU, CSU, BYU, CSU Pueblo um, for their workouts. Probably you're exactly right for the summer league, but still, uh, there's there's content out there for those yeah. of us who are Nuggets geeks. Uh, please keep putting that stuff out there because there's actually something to kind of 
feed us through the summer and 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 uh, keep us in touch with the team. I was I was really happy to see that they did that. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up that, that's a great point because it is, man. We're so starved, um, so starved for for just Nuggets content right now because it is such a down period for us. And and also, I think specifically just this this week. Um, the NBA in general was kind of a downturn because the the conference finals were such such a foregone conclusion. <laughs> we, we needed something like that, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Mike. I'm interested that both neither of you mentioned Gian Clavel, who is, of course, yeah, I told you right off the bat we were gonna we'll, we'll make this CSU and Denver Nuggets connection, but he is from uh, from CSU, and and the thing the reason not only the fact that of course that he comes from um, from our alma mater, but the other thing that really uh, stood out to me about him was I actually got a chance to watch uh, quite a bit of the, the CSU basketball team this year. And, and the entire time I'm watching, whenever I watch them, uh, because they are you know, not, a, not a great program, um, I always look at it as like, hey, can, would any of these guys ever have a shot of actually making it in the pros? And Gene Clavel is the one guy who I looked at this year. I said, you know what? He, he can actually play. Like He's got some definite skills. He's a scorer. Um, and, and he's a little undersized probably to be a scorer in the NBA, which is, which is why I don't think, um, I don't know that he'll, he probably won't get drafted. Um, and he, and he probably, in all honesty, probably will not make it, but, but he's got that ability to where, you know, it's like, Hey, if he can figure out how to overcome his size limitations, um, and, and the fact that he's not overwhelmingly athletic, uh, he actually could, if he can figure that out, he could be one of those guys who ends up surprising you and ends up making it. So I thought it was pretty cool that they brought him in. I'll be excited if he's on the summer league team. I'll be definitely be excited to watch him play. Um, but that was the only one, other than like what you guys said, the, the local flavor and then the, the Kentucky mm-hmm. connections. That was the only other a, guy. How tall is he? Is he about? Um, I, I've I've watched him play. I definitely have enjoyed watching him play with the Rams. Um, you know, you just don't think about as as full up as it seems like we're getting at that slot. Um, right. But but summer league, yeah, I, I love that idea. And and he's what about six, six four, six four? Okay, yeah. I was gonna say I thought six two or six three. So six four, yeah, he could he so could he, uh, catch on with somebody. He definitely could. And, and when I say about the size limitations, is because he's definitely not at least at the NBA level. He doesn't profile at all to be a point guard. I mean, he's a he's a, a two guard all the way. Yep. Um, so a six four two guard, which I mean, I think Gary Harris is about the same height, so it's definitely possible. Um, but he is a bit undersized, and I think he just uh, the other thing that I would say is, you know, he play, he came out of the Mountain West, uh, which was fairly uh, fairly weak this year. So um, I mean, CSU was the the number two seed in that entire conference, um, and, and they didn't even get into the tournament. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I'd be interested to see how well he can also perform against um, NBA level talent because I think that that might be maybe some of how how good of a scorer he was is a little bit based off of the competition that he was he was playing against. Well, I think what I think what ends up being interesting going into this year, um, I I'll, I will be watching this draft with particular fascination because we have gotten so young right over the right. course of the last two or three seasons. But what's what is the intention this time around? Are, are we are we going to continue to go young because we really are? There's a stacked deck in the rest of the West for the time being, or are we going to start rounding this out now? How how many more are we going to add to the bottom of the pile that way before we really start to push this in a direction of uh, next steps? Yeah, you know, and you bring up. I think the that's the interesting part of that discussion is there's almost there's like two lines of thinking and I, I tend to agree with you, uh, Mike about like, 
you know, maybe we should just continue to go young uh, and wait out the Warriors essentially because yeah. they, they don't, I mean, they look like they could win or at least go to the next five finals in a row. Um, so maybe adding a guy like a, going out and free, you know, making a trade in the draft and then trying to add a veteran kind of player, maybe that that's not the smartest thing to do. But I think the other, the counter argument to that is, is the more of the business side that, Hey, I think, I think, uh, Cronky Enterprises specifically would really like the Nuggets to to make the playoffs and start winning more and start uh, putting more people in the stadium or in the arena and, and getting selling more T-shirts. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, but but that's a, it's a, it's a really good point, Kale. I don't want your opinion on that. What do you think? Um, I guess what, what do you think the the way they should go? Do you think maybe in the draft they should uh, look to to just stay young, or do you think they should? be trying to, you know, all hands on deck, trying to get into the playoffs and get back to relevancy right now? Um, As far as, like, what's the smart move, yeah, it might be smarter to go younger, but as far as, like, what I want us to do, I definitely want us to try to make it first (laughs) to the playoffs. So, um, Especially since, I mean, we have so many young players on the team right now that that we can't, I mean, Wancho and Malik, like, we we couldn't really find time for them last year, so I'm not really sure what bringing someone in um, that we draft, like, 13th is is really going to, I don't I mean, I don't know what it's going to do for us next season. So right. I, I would like for us to make kind of an all move, uh, you know, try to try to make the playoffs and try to go as far as we can when we get there. Sure. And, you know, and, and Tim Connolly has talked about that, too, as well, about you don't want to cannibalize your talent, your young talent mm-hmm. by continuing to add guys and just not being able to find minutes. And we all know, obviously, mm-hmm. the Nuggets had a hard enough struggle with that this year with the veterans um, finding enough minutes for everybody. I think I think if what um, if you were going to really, yeah, if you were going to try and find that, that 13th overall guy, uh, that selection, some minutes, you're probably, you know, you're probably letting Gallo walk. You're probably, uh, and we're, and we're going to get into this in just a little bit about yeah. who we think is going to stay or go. You, you probably would have to like, clear out basically space at the, at the forward positions. Um, so two of the three of Gallo, Chandler, and Fareed would probably have to go. And then maybe you get a guy like OG Ananobi. I know everybody's really high on him. You know, maybe you get him in, in and he could be a off the bench kind of defensive guy for you. That that I could see them possibly doing something that I, that would be though going all in on that youth kind of movement and waiting out the Warriors, which I I don't think they're gonna go that way just because I think they're desperate to um, to get back to winning and relevancy. So um, so I, I tell you what I want to I want to cover a couple of other Nuggets odds and ends here. Just just some interesting kind of conversations that we've I've had on Twitter. Um, with some fans and some of the other writers here at Stiffs, and 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 the one thing I want to talk about because I th- it's because it's the summer or the off season, we've got really nothing else to talk about is is the Denver Nuggets jerseys because I think there's a there, right there there seems to be a fairly strong sentiment amongst amongst the fans that these the jerseys they have now are need to go or that they're really not you know there's nothing special about them especially now that they change the 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 numbering and uh lettering colors so they're it's like they're like halfway into a jersey redesign but they ran out of time and just threw that out there i I don't know mike what do you what do you think are you a fan i guess of these jerseys should we should we do a redesign of them I feel like I feel like this is an unfair one for me. I, I spent a lot of my life as a as a graphic designer back in the day, and I actually still have um, most all of the Nuggets logos just hanging around on my uh, computer. I, I mess around with the dumb things uh, a little too often, and um, yeah, I well, I mean, first off, I, I 
truly, uh, I think I've said this on the on either the podcast or at least in an article before. I, I hate the yellow jerseys so much that I, I, I don't even know where to start basically. And, and so, uh, that, that is, that is my own bias getting introduced into the situation. So that's, that's a, that's at least a part of it anyway, because I always, I, even when I was a kid, I liked the skyline yep. and I think the yellow kind of messes with that. Um, I'd, I'd love to see a reboot. Um, I, I have, uh, always been a fan and, and oh, by the way, we have always had more success in the seasons that we were wearing dark blue. And I know that just sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to see a reboot that at least incorporates some of these colors back in, uh, maybe does a rethinking of it. Um, the, you know, the, the crossed, uh, pickaxes is, is, is such a nice look. Um, that, that has definitely been really popular. Um, maybe, maybe revisit how the skyline plays into things. And more than anything, um, I, I know this isn't exactly what you're asking, but, uh, that skyline would lay out so nicely in the way people are doing their, redoing their courts these days. You know, you do the multi wood colors sure. on a court and, and it's, it's literally, I mean, the logo is already blocks. So just, just start laying that thing out on a basketball court. We'd have the coolest court in the NBA by like leaps and bounds. That's a great. That is actually a great idea. I hadn't even thought about that because you're right. And they do the um, right now. I mean, they changed the court up. I think two years ago, and they put like that that mm-hmm. mountain inlay in it. But yeah, you're right. It would look way better with that with that skyline logo, and it would be super super simple to put in there. Um, huh. It's a, you know what? It, it could happen just because you suggested it. Because I was going to bring up the funny point about the yellow those yellow jerseys. Uh, and, and, and I, I guarantee you nobody at the Nuggets will ever admit this, but those yellow jerseys were first designed by a commenter on Denver Stiffs, and I think it was Inbounding Lob Pass who was the one who did it. About, no way. Like, yeah, no. about maybe about a year, two, a season or two before they actually came out with those, he posted a comment on, on you know, one whatever thread it was and with, hey, check out these, you know, redesigns that I did for their jerseys. And he did three. He did the, the white one. Uh, a light blue one, and then that yellow alternate. His was a little different. The uh, the numbers were ye- were yellow as well, and it was just the outline of the number that you could see. But they basically took his idea right off of our site and ended up making it into their alternate. <laughs> so, oh, if, way more power than I thought we had. That's exactly, amazing, right? Right. <laughs> the sad part is he probably never saw a dime for it. But uh, uh, so, Mike, if you see, uh, we'll, we'll copyright it right now. This is Mike Olson's idea. Um, Denver I'm going to go design it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do this <laughs> for this go. afternoon. I, I think we just figured out my three-day weekend. So. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so much for not working on the weekend, right? Exactly. Exactly. Kayla, what are your thoughts? Because you know what? One of the things I really liked was doing the skylines with that 90s color scheme with the, the mm-hmm. navy and the gold and the red. What are your thoughts on the jerseys? Yeah, I think I would definitely love to see uh, the skyline incorporated into it. Uh, something that just... Uh, you know, a special to, to Colorado or, um, or yeah, like the pickaxes or, or just something that uh, kind of sticks out um, kind of like I uh, like with the gold, uh, Golden State Warriors, how they have the, uh, the bridge on, on there. So something like that that's, that's special to, to the area, I think would be really cool. Yeah. And, and uh, the, that's a good point. The special to the area, which is why I like the 90s. And I know also um, some of the other people at Denver Civs as well really like that 90s color scheme because it incorporates just a touch of red, just like mm-hmm. our, uh, just like the state flag does. Um, and that's kind of where the color scheme comes from. So I, I like, that's why I like it so much. But then I think the Skyline logo is just such a, it's such a classic um, and iconic logo in the NBA in general. 
let alone just with the Denver Nuggets. So I, I think, you know, really it kind of defines them as who they are as a team, I think, in the NBA. I think it would be great for them to go back to it. I'm going to jump to our next topic here, another one more odd and in I wanted to just kind of discuss, which is the the idea of a D-League team uh, for the Denver Nuggets. So I think they're down. It might be there's like five teams left now in the NBA who don't have an actually dedicated uh, a D-League team, the Nuggets being one of them. Um, the other interesting point here is that the CBA, the new CBA that they signed, uh, that the players just signed, allows for a 16th and 17th roster spot. Now, those are not, those are inactive roster spots. So, um, if you notice right now, whenever, if a team's fully healthy, the last two guys on the bench don't actually wear, don't actually suit up. We saw at times, quite a few times this season, Malik Beasley or, uh, or Mike Miller in, in street clothes. That's because they're the you're only allowed to have 13 active roster spots for every game. Typically, before you've allowed to have 15 total, they're increasing that number to 17. So two more inactive roster spots. That's two more guys at the end of your bench that you could have playing in the D League, and that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, Killa, what are your thoughts? How important is it? for the Nuggets to have their own D-League team? Or are we kind of making a too big a deal, hey, they can continue to send guys to like a place like Sioux Falls um, and, and handle it that way? Uh, I think it's I think it's pretty important just because we're um, starting to go, you know, so young over the last couple of years. And right. we, uh, we're kind of, I don't know, kind of behind the curve on that one, I guess. So I think it's important just to, um, you know, kind of keep the pace with, with the other teams. And I think it would be really cool for, for our development if we, if we were to get a D-League team. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, not only just for our development, I, I have some selfish reasons as well why I want them to get yeah. a deal specifically and where mm-hmm. I'd want them to have it at, uh, which I'll get into in just a sec. Mike, I want your opinion on this. Do you think them not having a D-League team is somewhat of a reflection of this, this stigma? Like like we last week we talked about Chris Finch leaving an assistant coach and how the Nuggets are, are notorious for not paying their assistant coaches um, high salaries and, and how it's possibly a statement on how they're not all in really about winning in the NBA. Do you think not having a D league team is kind of a similar, like, Hey, they're kind of, they're trying to cut corners here and it's kind of showing that maybe they really don't care much as about winning as they want us to think. You know, um, I mean, I, I don't necessarily take it in that direction uh, personally, but, but I would, I would say that I can't really argue with somebody who is taking it that way. I mean, it's, it's certainly, uh, when when you're one of the last five, uh, you're you're definitely projecting yourself as kind of behind the times a little bit in that regard. Um, I used to go up and watch uh, the the D League stuff up at Broomfield at that, and it's yep. a great little arena up there, right? I would I would love when I'm back in town because that's the the house I've still got is still in Broomfield. I would love to go and do that and see that and watch it, but it feels like to me. And, and this may be where you're already headed, Zach. So if I'm stealing any thunder, apologies. It feels like to me the the place that they would have uh, the most luck is you know go go either an hour north that that we all love or go an hour south. Um, it's, there's there yep. seems to be a lot of traction down in the springs as well, and that's probably actually where I'd take it. You know, take a take a team down to the springs, get get, get that base built up for people excited there, and maybe in either direction you can start not only getting more fans into the basis of the guys you're going to be seeing on the nuggets down the road um like you know so many d league and and minor league teams do or uh eventually get those same people you know 
taking taking an hour drive up over the hill and, and coming to watch more Nuggets games because it's not like we couldn't use the Pepsi Center a little fuller as well. That's another that's another great point. You're right. You can help build that um, help build that that uh, interest through your D League team, especially with the Nuggets being so young and having. Um, having probably a lot of guys, a guy like Malik Beasley, who every time he goes down to the D league, he just tears it up. Just um, tears it up. Yeah, exactly. Right. You could, you could certainly, certainly build interest that way. That's an awesome point. And that was, you weren't still in my thunder at all, Mike. You were just, you were just making a perfect segue. Cause that's what I wanted to talk about was <laughs> where would you put the team? And I think, um, Colorado Springs is a great location for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, it's the second biggest population center in Colorado. So that's, um, you've got the, you know, just sheer numbers working for your advantage there. Number two, it's got a, there's an arena already there. You could play at the world arena. Um, and they, they do plenty of events there all the time. And then, um, I'm trying to forget. I had a number three and I don't even remember what it was. Oh, number three. So also speaking of the, the Colorado Springs market, they've already shown that they'll support a, um, a lower tier professional sports franchise. I mean, the Sky Sox, uh, they are, do great. In Colorado Springs, and I, growing up in Colorado Springs, I can think of plenty of times that we went, uh, we went down there uh, to watch a Sky Sox game, and that was just kind of a cool, fun thing to do. Um, you could, you could try and try and do the same with the, with the D League as well. So, not a not a bad locale um, at all for 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 a D League team. Kayla, what about you? Where do you think they would put a D League team if they got one? Yeah, I think Colorado Springs, um, for all the reasons that you just mentioned, uh, that seems to come up in the conversation the most. So, um, yeah, I don't really know where else uh, they would think about putting it. But, yeah, I I completely agree with you for everything you just said. So I think there's there's probably like two other spots um, that I that I would make sense. Like Mike, you're saying Broomfield. You got the First Bank Center uh, right there, so that would make sense. That would be the closest proximity to to the actual Nuggets. facilities so there's there's some some logistical benefits to that in case you got to bring a guy up really quick not that colorado springs is far away either so um i I don't know actually if that would when i think about it would really make any difference Um, but broomfield also tons of population there you get carryover from the denver crowd the the super diehard nuggets fans who probably aren't too diehard enough to go see a d-league drive down to the colorado springs to see a d-league game they might be willing to go to broomfield they might already live in broomfield for that matter um and then I think the other area would be up north here, which is which is my selfish reason because I'm, I would uh, I would try hard to get a press credential for that that team and, <laughs> and then cover them. Um, but I think you've got the Budweiser Event Center right here uh, in Loveland. That would be that would be another locale, another area that's shown with the with the um, Colorado Eagles that they they're willing to support a, a lower tier professional franchise. Uh, I don't know how, though with the Eagles, the Eagles probably would play the same time. Uh, same season as the as the D League team would. I don't know if maybe that would be a logistical issue there, um, but the point is there, there's tons of options just right here, all within an hour of Denver. So I, I tend to think um, they need they need to get on this. I think they will. Uh, some people are a little more optimistic about them getting one this season than I am. I think to me, if they were going to have a D League team for this upcoming season, we probably would have heard something, anything about it by now. Um, just because they would have to start entering into some sort of contracts with these venues, um, and, and that would somebody would 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 catch hold of it and catch wind of that. So I don't know know that they'll have one this season, but eventually I think they'll get there, um, just because I think everybody will eventually. So I I'll, I'll go back to your question and, and ask both of you because I'd I'd be interested. Do you think that um, 
Do you think that not having one basically makes them look behind the times in comparison to other teams in the league? Uh, Kayla, I'll let you answer first. I mean, I think it does for a lot of people. Um, just because, uh, yeah, I mean, all the other teams seem to seem to have caught on. And I, th- I think just the longer we go, um, when you know, if we the longer we go without having one, I think it only look bad for us. But I think, I think, I don't know. I think that's some people probably think that more than others. Um, for me, I don't really um, kind of buy into that, but I know a lot of people probably do. See, so I, uh, I would be uh, kind of, I'm one of those other people. Like I, I definitely would, when I look at this, there's such an obvious need um, for it. There's, there's such an obvious opportunity um, to do it right now. And look, I'm not privy to everything that that's goes on with, with, uh, with the nuggets and with, with, with the Cronky sports enterprises and, and obviously their balance sheets and everything that they're doing. So, um, I, I can't say if it's, if it's strictly financially driven. Um, I know that narrative's out there and I, I understand where it comes from and I tend to somewhat agree with it just because, uh, we've seen this. It's not just like we, like I said, we see this with assistant coaches. Um, they're, they're dragging their feet on the D League team. When you think about, uh, they finally, for the first time, went away from the "Hey, our executives will always work out their entire contracts." They finally actually gave Connolly an extension um, and made him and actually started paying him a decent salary. But, but before that, uh, think about it. The Nuggets are give them credit for their their ability to. Th- talent search executives but tim Connolly was uh, a guy who was hired um and and brought in at a, at a very reasonable salary in comparison to other other gms the exact same was true of masai ujiri uh and then of course they lost ujiri part of the reason they lost ujiri was because toronto gave him a crazy salary and it's worked out for toronto so more credit to them but there that narrative is out there um, and I think it's somewhat justified, and I think this them not having a D-League team plays into it. I do think they're behind the times. I think they need to get one. I think it's important with the expanding rosters and with with the general youth of their roster that they have right now. So um, that's where I, that's that would be my answer to that question. So I tell you what, let's um, we'll switch it up one more time, and then we'll go ahead and take a break after this. But I want to just do a real quick rapid fire. Um, Questions for both of you about the veterans on this team and whether or not they're going to be, whether or not they're going to be on the the roster next season. Because I think it's an interesting conversation. That right right after the draft ends, we're really we're about a month a month and a, and a handful of days away from free agency, so this is going to be a big, um, going to become a real big topic. So I want to just we'll just like I said we'll go through it real quick. I'll just ask both of you. I'll say a player's name, uh, and you can just give me a quick yes or no, and maybe a, a you know. One or so sentence answer as, as to why. So the first one I'll ask, I'll go to you, Kayla, first. Mason Plumley, uh, yes or no on on the team next season? I'll say yes, um, just because we, I think it would look kind of silly if we, uh, you know, traded him last season and then got rid of him, and I don't really know um, who else we would go with uh, right. for backup. So I, w- I would say yes. Mike? Um, I I say yes as well. I think part of that is at least said out of hope. But um, yeah, I I liked where that was getting started. I think um, as much as anything, they don't want to make that trade look like it was a bad deal as well. And and at the end of the day, who do you replace that body with if you don't? So yeah. Yep. Okay, so I'm I'm with both of you guys as well. Same reasons. I would say yes. Uh, you've kind of got to save face. You gave up Yusuf Nurkic and, and a first-round pick, and all other than Plumlee, all he got back was a second-rounder. 
if if all that all that in value you sent out resulted in half a season where you didn't make the playoffs um that that's a that's a bad trade and so i think they yep. for that they almost for that reason alone they'll they'll bring him back all right yep. michael go back to you next on the next guy who is far more i think is probably the the biggest question mark um which would be danilo gallinari yes or no you think he's back um, I do. I say yes to Gallo. Um, I, I will admit a bit of a bias there because I'm a fan, but I, I think that you bring Gallo back uh, one more time just to kind of keep some of that uh, continuity across the, the veteran piece because I, I think I'm going to probably be a little bit off kilter on some of the other guys you're going to ask me about. I, I think he's the one that the fans key into. He's uh, been our high scorer for years. I think he's the guy that is smart to keep around uh, for one more season. I also think you've lost value there. If you were going to get rid of him, that that ship has sailed. So, uh, yeah, I keep him. All right, Kayla. Um, I'll say I'll say yes. Um, although I don't know, I think it's one of those things where my heart says yes, but my mind kind of is leaning towards no. Um, <laughs> just because he'd be the easiest guy to get rid of, obviously. And yep. um, there there would be people that you know could replace him, Macho, um, yep. and you know anybody that we get through the draft, but. I really hope. I really hope we bring him back. Yep. Yeah, I um. So I will be. I'm gonna disagree with you guys. Not that I. I don't have my heart wants to say yes as well. Uh, I'm also a Gallo fan, but uh, I just tend to think no because, as we've kind of been talking about, the Nuggets sometimes um, will take a a fiscal approach to these things. We saw it last year with a couple guys. Um, we all thought, wow, they really got got a great steal of a deal with with Darrell Arthur. Uh, maybe we found out. Maybe maybe they knew a little bit more about his knee than than the rest of the um, than, than we'd like to believe. But I think they're they're going to probably take a pretty uh, low ball approach with Gallo. And as much as Gallo wants to be here, and I think he really is 100 percent honest that he, when he says he wants to be here, uh, I think he's just going to look at it as, hey, this is my last, or this could be my last big contract, um, or it's certainly my chance to earn the most in my career and 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 i think he he jumps on that opportunity would not be surprised if he signed a contract for like three years and then at the end of that maybe ended up coming back to denver to to finish out his career that would not surprise me though um okay kayla i'll go back to the next one um a guy who i think i think a lot of people would like to say no but for for whatever reason um but uh i think well I'll, i'll get your opinion first kayla jameer nelson do you think yes or no is he back I think yes. I think the team really values his uh, his veteran um, leadership and, and experience. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think he'll probably see a pretty severe reduction in minutes, but I, right. I think he will be on the team. Right. Mike, what about you? Um, I, I actually think probably no on this one. Um, I, I think that they're getting to a point where you've got such a big guard structure going in the backcourt. I, I really love what – Jameer has brought from a veteran leadership perspective, but I've got a feeling uh, I don't think we're going to see Jameer back, actually. Fair enough. So I think Jameer, I would say if, if we're talking at the beginning of the season, yes, I think Jameer will be on the roster just because I don't know what you can, um, who you're going to convince to take him at the in the offseason. That being said, I, I think Jameer is the type of guy, because he'll be on the last year of his deal um, at the trade deadline, he would be one guy I would say this guy's probably – uh, a chance he could trade for like a second round pick, right, or something like that. Uh, we saw that with like Randy Foy uh, two years ago. But you know, some team like a, a Cleveland or a San Antonio, maybe even Golden State, who knows? Some team who's trying to make it uh, go the distance, make it through the finals, has a need for a veteran point guard off the bench. I could see them making a move at the trade line 
trade deadline with him before at the in the offseason. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a throw-in and a bigger deal, but I just don't think anybody's out there probably looking to pick up Jameer Nelson. Save for maybe the Pistons because of Stan Van Gundy. All right, uh, Mike, I'll kick it back to you the next one. Now, this one I think is a... Boy, we, we talk about it every offseason, uh, and maybe this 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 offseason not so much, but Kenneth Fareed, what do you think about him? I think yes, just because of the way he plays uh, with Jokic. I, I think they right. play so well together. There's just... Uh, he, uh, I've changed where I'm sitting on Fareed strictly because of that interaction. So yeah, I think I think he's the biggest no-brainer out of these four that we've talked about thus far. Frankly, Kayla, what about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree and say yes. Um, I don't really know what what we would do or uh, who who would we really replace him in the in the lineup if we were to get rid of him. So uh, I'll say yes. Right. Yeah, I think I think the only way you would replace him is if you're looking at like chasing Paul Millsap or something like that and, and bringing that guy in. And then, but even then, Fareed is a guy. I mean, we know he doesn't like it, but he's a he's a great guy to come off the bench as well. Uh, I'm with both of you as well. I think yes, and I think this is this year's. I think we will hear very little in terms of free trade rumors and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, anything can happen with a bigger deal, but. Uh, he fits, like you said, Mike, he fits so great next to Jokic. And I've just, I've really done a 180 on Fareed. I used to get really upset with him about, you know, he he was never shy about making comments about the crowds at the Pepsi Center and stuff like that. But I, the more I looked at it, he really, I think he's just being honest. He's, he's telling the truth. And, and I think he really, just really wants the crowds to come out and, and play and, and, um, and be excited for the team and be excited for the Nuggets. And I think he really does, um, I think he has some loyalty to Denver uh, despite all of that, it's just just the way I, I just remember at the end of the season talking with him in the in the locker room, um, and, and what he was saying was just it was, makes a lot of sense. And it's like, well, yeah, Freed I think really does care about the Nuggets and about winning and about this this culture. Um, he just gets frustrated as we all do uh, with sometimes the lack of enthusiasm from the fan base. All right, so we'll move on to the last guy. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Wilson Chandler, I am going to say, I think Wilson Chandler is the, out of everybody we've, we've listed, I think even, even Gal, and maybe this is some, some, just my own hopes, not that I have anything personally against Wilson, but I think Wilson is a no and that he is not back next season. I, there's just been too much, um, commentary about, uh, about his role, about somewhat some subtle jabs at, at coach Malone. Um, I think it's best for all parties that they move on. Kayla, what about you? Yeah, I'll say no. Um, although Wilson Chandler, I think anything with them doesn't really surprise me anymore because I feel like he's been unhappy before and always comes back. And so I, I would say no. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows? Right, right. Mike, what about you? I, I probably don't think this is the most polite analogy I've ever given. But um, usually when I'm in relationships that end up going, I love you, I love you, what are we doing? What are we doing? I love you, I love you, I don't know what we're doing. Um, eventually, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to break up. I, I, I love you, Wilson, you're awesome. Uh, but but uh, yeah, it's not it's not you, it's me. And and let's let's do this. Right. So. And I think that's an important point. It's like it's not nothing against Wilson. And, and, and hey, you know what, even though he was unhappy this season, he was still he was still a trooper. I mean, he came out and he he performed for the most part. I will say there were there were some games I remember watching where it was like, man, Wilson's just really not not into it tonight. Um, but for, for, for the vast majority of the games, he he gave it his all. Um, but obviously he doesn't want to be here is, is what it seems like, or maybe he wants to be here, but he doesn't want to be in this situation that they've got right now. So I, I, like I said, nothing, nothing, 
against him. Um, probably just best though, like that, that, that we all just kind of move on and, and close this chapter. So, um, we'll close the chapter of the first half of this, uh, this podcast. How do you guys like that segue? Well done. (laughs) We'll go ahead. We'll take a break and then we'll get into some general NBA stuff. As much as I, as I mentioned, the conference finals, as much as a bore as uh, they were, uh, I think the NBA finals are fascinating. So I want to get into that. Uh, LeBron James also passed Michael Jordan for the all time, uh, points scored in playoffs record. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, we'll get, we'll, we're going to go, we'll end up, we're going to end our show with the, the, one of the hottest, the hottest take items you can have, which is the LeBron, Michael Jordan debate. So we'll go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on. Or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. here i want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in denver colorado and that's porter laurie you're listening to his single escape my skin right now and if you're liking what you're hearing his album hell or high water is available on itunes also you can check out his website porterlaurie.format.com that's p-o-r-t-e-r-l-o-r-i dot format dot com Give him a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape my can't escape my skin. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast, the all-Rammy 
Pickaxe Podcast. We are joined today um, by by Kayla Osby and Mike Olson. We spent a good portion of the of the start of the podcast show talking about talking about CSU, and then and then uh, finally actually getting into some Nugget stuff. We're as I was saying before the break, we're going to go ahead and now get into some general NBA stuff. We'll start out with the NBA Finals uh, and, and really the Conference Finals, which I thought were horrible. Uh, I'm not going to mince words. It was it's the worst conference finals I can remember watching in a while. Last season, everybody was talking about how terrible the playoffs were, and they really were until we got to the conference finals. Um, the Cleveland conference finals, and I can't even remember who they played last year, uh, but that was kind of a bust. Um, but Toronto. They, Toronto. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was Toronto, and it was. Uh, it was. And now, now that it, now that you mentioned that, Mike, now I remember. It's. Uh, it was clearly like learning in that series. Okay, we thought, hey, maybe Toronto, because that was kind of our first exposure to this Toronto team in the postseason, and we we're thinking, hey, maybe this Toronto team actually is legit and can challenge the the Cavs, and then it ended up like, nope, no, they got no chance against LeBron. <laughs> yep. So that one was a bore. But that the the uh, the Thunder. Um, Warriors series, which if you'll remember, the Thunder actually went up 3-1 on the Warriors before the Warriors came back and, and, and won it in seven. That was a great series. This really conf- was. This conference finals, though, was awful. So, or Mike, I guess, uh, since you, you agree with me about last last year, um, w- would you agree on this one? I mean, how much, how much of the con- these conference finals did you even watch? Because I didn't watch that much. I, you know, it, it was weird this year. I, I don't know if I was just trying to torture myself or what exactly happened, but I, um, I watched most of the basketball, um, really? postseason this year. And, and, um, sadly share exactly your opinion on it. I, I kept, I kept thinking, okay, this game's gotta be better. And, and my God, just watching, uh, yeah, it was, it was really just boring games watching when do you expect these two teams to make it to the finals it, it right. there wasn't much to it right i thought there you know i thought there were a couple of good series i liked the uh the wizard celtic series i thought that one was a pretty fun one to watch um also uh i enjoyed the the spurs the spurs rocket series i enjoyed it it wasn't as big of a uh, or as good of a series as maybe i'd hyped it up to um, in my mind, the Jazz, the Jazz Clippers series wasn't bad in the first round. I mean, it went seven games. It was okay. Um, Kayla, what about you? Did you watch these conference finals at all? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch that much. Um, I felt. I feel like every time I wanted to, I, something happened that made me like, oh no, never mind. Like there would be right. a blowout game or um, Kawhi Leonard being out, and then Isaiah yeah. Thomas, and then I was just kind of like, oh, this this story is already written. Like there's there's really no point. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch too much. Yeah, and that's that's a, a great point too. We lost we lost the the two teams who were um, heavy underdogs, the Spurs and the the Celtics. They end up both losing their their star players or their best players uh, fairly early in the series. So that really was a damper on on things as well. And then the, the, I think you make a great point about the blowouts too. Maybe maybe so mm-hmm. much, Mike, that that what you were saying about there or that what I was kind of talking about how before they didn't have or the some of the earlier series were a little bit entertaining. These conference finals, that I mean, it was like every game is just teams are losing by like twenty points, and so it's like you know, I and then maybe that's what turned me off on it because I tried early on to watch, and yeah, it was just watching like man, uh, watching Boston get beat by be down by twenty in the second quarter, or watching uh, the Spurs just 
The and most entertaining part about the Spurs blowouts, we were watching how Pop would just lay into reporters afterwards. But uh, yeah, and 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 to your point about, I mean, you know, Boston Washington was interesting from the perspective of you know it went seven games and the home team always won, and watching the home team have that kind of excitement that was that was really interesting and cool. But out of those seven games. I think two of them were actually close games where in the fourth quarter you right. thought something could actually happen. Right. And and so even then it's, yeah, it's regularly in each of those games. One of the two teams is sitting guys for the fourth quarter because they just want to have their energy to try and hack at it the next game. And yeah, it's just, it's boring basketball, man. You're absolutely right about that. And that is a good point. I think, um, that wizard Celtic series, the game that stands out to me the most about it was the, I think it was game three. Um, which was one of the close ones, and John Wall hits that three-pointer uh, late in the game to to seal it for for the Wizards. Um, and maybe that was one of the other reasons I really liked that uh, that series specifically, is because I thought we got to see really John Wall um, kind of. And it's crazy to say this because he's been in the league for a while now, but it really kind of have his breakout moment um, these playoffs, and then in that series, you really kind of saw, hey, this is a guy who, yeah, he might actually get him a little bit more help get LeBron like finally old enough to where he's not just going to the finals every year. And, um, maybe John Wall might be the next, uh, the next guy to lead a team out of the East, um, to the finals. That's a funny point. I, I would have, um, I said definitely the same at the end of game six. I mean, that was probably the best game of the series where he scores that three to keep them in it. It was game six, right? Okay. And I think I think if Wall comes, well, I I think that was right. So so, uh, but but I I think if Wall had come back and had one of those game sevens where you talk about wow he really he showed up and he took over and they'd won that series, um, I might not only have a different impression of of the game, but I'd probably have a different impression of the series a bit as well. He could have saved that with that change. That's a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. And he did he didn't yeah he didn't have a great um, game seven so. Maybe maybe he's not going to lead him to the the finals. But like I said, I thought he was uh he outside of LeBron and maybe Isaiah Thomas. I thought he was the most exciting player from the East um, this this year. Um, so now that we're past it, uh, and Kayla, I'll get your opinion first. Um, we're 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 back to the Cavs and Warriors again, which I'm really excited about. What about you though? Are you excited or are you kind of like over this? All right, it's the third time in a row we're going to see these two teams play each other. I'm excited just because I think it's actually going to be a good series, unlike the ones that we've seen so far. And um, I don't know. I think it. I think that matchup is actually becoming kind of more exciting the more it happens. Um, just because you, you know, it's you never really know what's what to expect. Last season, uh, I don't think anybody would have expected the Cavs to win, and um, this season, I don't really even know who who would be the underdog or who would be um, kind of expected to to win it. So I would I would right. just be excited just to hopefully see a, a good long series. I'll say, well, uh, Vegas is certainly on there. Vegas is on the Warriors, but um, yeah, pretty pretty hard too, which I thought was kind of uh, kind of surprising. But you know, we'll see. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think it's a very even matchup, which makes it which makes it really fun to watch. Mike, what about you? You know, my wife and I were talking about this just last night. I, I as as boring as it's been getting here, um, I I'll definitely be watching, and I'll be watching with some fascination because to me, this is like getting to the end of the. Um, you know, Godzilla King Kong movie. It was, I, I hated watching them destroy cities and burn people up as they, as they went along for an hour and a half. But yeah, these last 15 minutes of them slugging it out 
yeah, that was what I got the popcorn for in the first place. So, yeah, let's do this, right? I like it. The King Kong Godzilla analogy. That one, uh, that was not scripted to all of our listeners. That, that was just Mike Olson gold right there. Um, I'm with both of you guys. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be an exciting and fun series. I think these are this is what we've been waiting for. And like you pointed out, Mike, it's kind of been a a slog to get through it, but we're finally here. Well, I mean, we got to wait like a week now before they actually finally play a game because they they got through everybody else so quickly. But uh, I'm I'm definitely excited for it. I don't necessarily mind that it's the third time in a row we're going to see these teams because. The first year, uh, the first year was we didn't we got robbed because the Cavs were so short-handed due to injuries. Last season was one of the one of the best um, finals of, of recent memory, at least in my opinion. And then uh, um, now this season we've got the added wrinkle of Kevin Durant, which I think is is the the really really interesting storyline of these finals. I mean, LeBron and Durant have faced off in the finals once before. Obviously, though, Durant had nowhere near the supporting staff that he has uh, that he has now, and and you're talking about, in my opinion, the two best all-around players in the entire world, who both play the same position, uh, getting to go at each other, game in, game out. That I think is what makes it more exciting um, than anything. That said, I'll start off with our our final our final section of of these this finals topic, which is. I I think and I think I think we're going to be disappointed. Uh I think the Warriors probably get this thing done in probably 5 maybe 6 games at the most. Um Kayla, what about you? Uh, let me ask you. We'll go just uh straight to the point. Warriors, Cavaliers, who do you think's going to win? Uh I think Warriors in probably 6 games. Um I I hope it goes like 7 games. I think that would be really cool, but yeah, I don't know. I just think the Warriors have have too much and um they're I think going into it with obviously the kind of the disappointment of last season um I think will will help them last season I think they went in kind of just expecting expecting to win and so I think I think that the Warriors will will uh will win in in probably six games all right Mike um I, I was positive the Warriors were winning Game Seven last year, so I've I've got this uh, I've got this sick uh, just you know never bet against LeBron feeling going on in my gut. Um, I I'm so torn about this one. I w- I would have preferred the Warriors to win, but I have a history of just I hate super teams. I, you know you you stack the deck this way and it just drives me insane. Um, but I wouldn't I don't know I wouldn't mind seeing Durant win a ring I, I feel like I'm talking myself in circles here I I think the Warriors win it in five or six games the same way you guys are talking about but if 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 it makes it to a game seven um, I I think this time around I don't care I, I just yeah. want to see a great series between uh, again just two monsters just knocking each other around and and let's take this thing all the way let's make them all close games and whoever walks out of that, you've either got um, you've got Curry uh, with another ring and, and in some great conversation, Durant finally gets his ring, you know, or LeBron picks up number four and you start having these conversations about, well, wait a minute, how close to Jordan is this guy actually getting, you know, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm 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 with you 100 percent on on if LeBron gets that that ring it, the conversation becomes a lot more interesting and that's going to be our next segment. But just before we leave the Warriors Cavs uh, conversation, I want to point out this: if it gets to a game seven, 
man, I'd be putting money on the on the Cavs just because they have the best player in um, in the series or in the world. Uh, and, and we've seen time and time again, LeBron can do it. Where if if he's got if he's got to get you one game, no matter who the opponent is, he can go out and get you that one game. He's got the ability more so than anybody else to just absolutely take over a game and, and will a team to victory. So if it goes seven, I would say the Cavs. I just don't think they get there. I think there's like we've been talking about too much talent on the Warriors side. Um, that, that it just won't ever get to that point. But I want to move into what you were talking about, which is, and this will be our final segment for the pod, um, which is the Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate. Now I'm not going to, we're not going to get into a shouting uh, hot take match. Like sometimes this debate goes into, but I wanted to bring up the point. Um, first of all, that he did pass, you know, he did pass Jordan for playoff scoring. Now, um, took LeBron quite a few more playoff games to do it. Um, and Jordan still is the the record holder for points scored per game in the playoffs, um, but cumulatively speaking, LeBron has scored more points in the playoffs than any other player. Kayla, how big of achievement is it, and how much does it contribute to LeBron's legacy and, and his side of the argument that maybe he might be the greatest of all time? I think it's a big achievement. Um... You know, if only because it says just how, how many playoff games he's actually played. And I think the fact that, you know, it's taken him a lot of playoff games, I think, isn't so important. But just the fact that he's always in the playoffs uh, season after season and always going to the finals, I think it's it's a really big achievement. And it's just one more thing that I think uh, can go on his side um, in that argument. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, I mean, I agree. It's If nothing else, it's, it's a statement of the longevity that he's mm-hmm. had. Um, in the playoffs, if you think, I mean, the guy, he missed the playoffs his rookie season and hasn't missed it since. That's, what is that, like, that's 13, 14 seasons in a row now? Yep. Mike, what do exactly you think? Right. What do you think about it? Um, well, I think, I think first off, for any, uh, you, you, you started off talking about not going down the uh, shouting podcast road. And for anybody who's listening in and was looking for the shouting podcast, um, you, you got Kayla and Mike instead. And I don't know that these two people have really ever yelled like that in their lives. So <laughs> that's if that's, true. if that's what you came for, apologies, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I think your point was, I, I think the best part of this point, Zach, was the one that you made at the end of talking about it in game seven. And, and it's, and you know, if they've stolen three games already, and, and so I guess I'm leaning towards the Warriors when I say stolen, but if they've already won three games in that series, uh, there's no way you bet against LeBron in a game seven because he's already taken three out of the six that have come up to that point. Right. He's such a force. He's such a force of nature that, um, I I have a feeling, you know, if if he gets a ring out of this one, he's going to start changing the nature of this conversation. And you see, you know, the the conversational and the looks back and forth between LeBron and MJ now. And so passing him in the playoff scoring, that was a big deal for him. If he starts spinning his way up into all of that, um, it it would be fascinating to watch because I think LeBron would wear the mantle well. And, and it would be really interesting to watch an aging MJ, you know, try to actually deal with his competitive self and how that right. works with LeBron coming up hot because it's not like he can jump back out on the court and uh, change some of those things around. <laughs> Don't be – you remember you remember his Hall of Fame <laughs> speech, right? <laughs> he was like, oh, I might come back. 
Yeah, the wizards. He's he's like, please, man, just stay home. Come on, don't do this again. Well, he would have to. I mean, now, right? He would have to go play for the Hornets. That would be. Uh, he'd have to play for. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the NBA allows for you to play for your own team, but yeah, if play anybody, your own. <laughs> right. If if anybody was going to do it, it would be Michael. Michael, let me ask you this: Where would you put LeBron right now, um, in terms of o- overall greatest greatest players of all time? Uh, you know, top five, no question. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, you still got to get in there, and and I can name. I can name four other guys besides the two that we're talking about that I still go, ah, that feels like top five as well. So what do you start doing in those circumstances, right? Um, You've got, you know, um, Magic and Bird are are a huge part of that conversation. Oscar's got to be a huge part of that conversation. Um, You know, Wilt, Bill Russell, uh, there's there's a lot of rings sitting around there. Um, It's it's tough. I'd, I'd say LeBron to me, most people are going to call him top three, and I don't know if I can disagree, but at least some of that is weighted by the fact that we're all sitting around watching it happen right now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, that's a great point. Is it's it's all he, he's fresh in our mind, um, and then a lot of people just never. I mean, I never got a chance to really watch Wilt, or not really. I never got a chance to watch Wilt or an Oscar Robertson um, or a Bill Russell. Some of those those age old greats. Uh, I did get quite a bit of opportunity to watch Michael Jordan play, um, which is why, which, and, and was a huge Bulls fan as a kid growing up. So that, that, um, makes me a bit biased as well. I, I, and it's a good point, Mikey bring because top three is tough. I don't put him number one. Um, I, I'm willing to entertain arguments for number two. Uh, but man, Magic Johnson is, is a guy I would, I, I kind of, I think is deserving of that spot. Yeah, he's my number two as well. Right, so it's when you get to to me when you get to number three, the three to five, uh, or really about three to seven, yeah, that's where he 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 slots in somewhere, and it just kind of depends on 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 your beliefs. Kayla, I want to get your opinion because I'm guessing you probably did not watch too much of Michael Jordan. Um, no, right. So so where would you put? Yeah, on? yeah. So it's it's tough because I really didn't watch any any of the players um, in that conversation, but. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, I've gotten to watch LeBron a lot, so it's probably, probably a little bit biased in that, in that way. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't even know if there's like a clear, like definitive top five. Cause I think, you know, there's maybe 10 players that, that could be sure. kind of tied for the fact that they've had on their team and the legacy that they have. But I think he's definitely in the conversation of, of top five and, uh, maybe by the end of his career, you know, I think you, you might be able to to call him, you know, maybe the second or third best player of all time. Right. So, okay. So that's great. And, and this is, this is where I wanted to end um, the podcast on, because you said it may by the end of his career, he might be second or third. So I want to go right back to you, Kayla, and ask you this, what would it take in your mind for him to be number one overall? How many, like, what would he have to do? Uh, probably when just a championship, maybe at least every, every other season. I don't know how many more he'd have to have to get, but. I think just winning championships would, would be the uh, the best thing to, to go on his side. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think just the the winning, I think, is, is really the biggest thing. I don't know if there's any other, like, statistical thing that he could do, but just winning championships, I think, would be the best, yeah, the best and way I, to. I would say, I mean, I agree with you 100% on that because that's really – and it's – I look, I am a guy who will so often try and shoot down anybody's argument, anybody's rings argument, you know, because – you can't. You're never going to convince me that Trent Dilfer is a better quarterback than Dan Marino, even though Dilfer's got a ring um, and Marino doesn't. 
When you come to the debate of LeBron versus Jordan, though, I take a different viewpoint because when you've got two players who are so clearly so physically gifted, who are clearly so talented at the game of basketball, who are so smart about the game of basketball, who have had as much success uh, as they've had to the point where they've pretty much surpassed everyone in all the stats that, that, that matter or that, that would adhere to their style of play, really, what else are you left with when it comes to the debate than, hey, how many times did these guys actually get to the ultimate goal? And not only that, how many times did they succeed there? Which is why, for me, I it's LeBron would have to get seven. He'd have to have seven rings for me to entertain um, putting him number one overall of all time because Jordan has six. And if LeBron were able to tie Jordan and get to six as well, then you have to bring up the fact that, well, yeah, but every time Jordan got there, he won it. And not only time did he win it, he was the MVP. And it was never I – don't, I don't think there is uh, – I'm trying to think right now. I don't believe they ever went to a Game 7 in the finals um, – with Jordan and the Bulls, I think they they never went to a, they never went to a game seven period in the playoffs ever wow. ever. Wow. Yeah. So, there you go. And so they were close. They were close. Then the last the last finals, Jordan hits that buzzer beater. We're close to buzzer beater um, over Brian Russell, and that was game six. So wow. So that, so that that's just even more to me that goes to the point that like when it comes to comparing those two guys, you've got to come down to their performances in the finals. And it's because Jordan was so dominant, LeBron's going to have to just surpass him in quantity. You know, I don't think he can ever surpass Jordan in quality because Jordan never lost. But if he can surpass him in quantity, I think you can entertain the argument. Mike, I'll let you wrap us up. I want your your thoughts on it. What would it take for for you to put LeBron number one? I'm uh, so first off, I'm I'm so glad that you uh, where you took that argument when you went from the uh, Dan Marino Trent Dilfer piece because while I totally agree with you from a single ring perspective, uh, that 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 definitely is a is a great argument. Um, in that case, I think I think the point that you follow on to is is dead on. And when you've got guys, so so let's take that same analogy and let's talk about you know Joe Montana mm-hmm. and uh, and Tom Brady, mm-hmm. right? And and these guys who suddenly um, there's there's a few more rings on a hand, and that makes it very easy to start doing some of this delineating and uh, definition. Mm-hmm. I I think your argument about six versus seven is a really interesting one because I would have taken it from exactly the other direction. Um, you know, Michael Michael made it six times and he won all six, um, and and that is amazing and impressive. And he's he's uh, he's a hyper competitive guy. Um, he you know the no game sevens, all of that stuff is is really incredible. I I'd, I'd argue you get LeBron in and he gets six rings. And there's still an argument to be made of, and and by the way, he got his team to the finals. You know, at that point, what four more times? Right. So so he made it in all of these years in a row. Um, that's that's a big deal. He's still got as many rings as Jordan with even more finals appearances. I could actually argue that that's something possibly in his favor for just how far he was able to push that team down the road. And then you start throwing in things like playoff scoring and uh you know who knows where they'll be in overall scoring by the time all of this shakes yeah. out and and I think it becomes a really interesting discussion and I think in that case um 
I don't know. I, I'm, um, I always, at the end of the day, and this is probably why I've enjoyed this conversation with the two of you so much as well. I always tend to root for the nice guy. And, um, as much as I love Jordan's game, um, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a douche. Excuse (laughs) me. Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? And so, uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, it's not as if LeBron doesn't have some of that edge, but I think anybody who gets that far does, but, but overall he seems he's, he's, he's a nice guy who cares about, uh, his, his community and his team and, and all of these other things. And, um, and that counts for something with me. So if he gets that far, he's, he's probably at least going to have my vote. That's a, that's a really good point too. When you talk about getting just to the six, because you're right. I mean, he'll have made, uh, more finals and, and what's I mean the unfortunate part on the on the Jordan side is obviously those two years where he uh, well a year and a half where he retired um, and then came back and by the time he came back I think he only came back for like maybe like fifteen or so games um, and then they were right back in the postseason and they ended up losing I believe in the second round maybe to the Knicks um, that that year but uh, that's that's the unfortunate part is because who knows Jordan very well probably could have got to eight straight uh, finals if he doesn't if he's doesn't take that that year and a half hiatus but he did and he so he never made seven straight finals like lebron um like lebron did and i I gotta say i mean barring injury it doesn't look like anything's gonna probably stop lebron from going to eight straight next year but um that's uh so you get that you get that side of the argument i think i think he will surpass jordan probably in every statistical category for the simple fact that he's gonna play more years um and they both play at such a high level and uh, and you bring up a great point. He's made it to more. He's already been to more finals than, than Jordan has uh, ever been to. And if he ends up getting just as many rings, then then he can say, hey, you know what? And specifically, you can point to that first finals because the first time he made the finals and they got swept, they had zero business being in in that uh, exactly in that right. series shouldn't yeah. even have been there yeah absolutely yeah. they don't they don't make it if if he doesn't like we were talking about earlier uh them willing him willing them to a victory if he doesn't will them to victory in that game six against the pistons where he scored something crazy like 26 straight points in the fourth quarter in overtime um if he doesn't do that then they don't make it that year he does that then they have all the momentum they win game seven and then then end up in a spurs playing against the spurs team who's just seriously better than them but the point i'm making there is michael always always had scotty he always had a horace grant or a dennis rodman or a tony kukoc or a, oh man you gotta go way back i think what stacy king was a great uh great guy off the bench for him in the in their first three peak he always had a good team around him lebron every time he's won don't get me wrong has had a great team around him as well but you can always point to LeBron and say, yeah, but look back at that first finals that he took the team to. Granted, they didn't win, but he flat out carried a team that had no business being there. Kind of like how Iverson did with the Sixers. Yep. You know, he flat perfect. out carried that team there. Um, yeah, perfect analogy. Right, and and so you you got to take that into consideration. Um, all right, it's well, a great t- debate. It, great it debate. is, it is, and you know what? And, and hey, we just proved here on the podcast you can have the debate without getting all crazy and, <laughs> and degenerating it to just just ad hominem attacks and all that so tell you what we are we are just about perfect as far as time which will be the first time in about a month that i've been able to accomplish that on this podcast so uh we'll wrap it up uh kayla thanks for being on and uh good luck with your with your best friend's wedding like we were talking about before thank you Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Sure, anytime. Uh, we're always happy to have the Rammies on. And then, uh, Mike, um, you know, enjoy L.A. It's it's raining here in, in Colorado. So, uh, uh, sorry to take you away from the sunshine, but uh, appreciate you being on. 
Not at all. I, I, I uh, as always, I miss it there, and I miss, uh, I miss Colorado. I miss hanging out with you guys. So, um, thanks for this time. Uh, lovely to chat with you both. Um, hope it's a great long weekend for everybody. So, absolutely, yeah, everybody yeah, you out, as well. Uh, go out and have a have a good weekend and and stay safe. Remember, always always have a designated driver on these holiday weekends. Um, and so, check us out. Kayla is at Nugget Chica with a C and no K. Uh, Mike is at Visible Mike. There's no number on the end of that, right, Mike? There, there is not. No, There's, sir. There you go. And then I am at Zach Mikosh, of course. Also check us out at Denver Stiffs. Uh, Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. As always, DenverStiffs.com. Tons of great content going up there all the time. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.